interpreter became the type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. And the places that God is wanting to bring you to as a Christian goes outside of where you're at right now. You know, you need to hear that. Just because you're in a place where it seems like you don't know everything doesn't mean you're not in the center of His will. Okay? The Lord spoke something to me. I wrote it down. It was actually on the 27th day of October, which is, I think was on a Friday, if I remember right, or a Saturday. And, he, and he, I'm going to describe this word progression so you'll understand what it means because you may misunderstand the language that he was using to me. Progression, when I, when I was looking at it in my spirit, progression meant that you took a step, and the step that you took was tied to the step that you were just releasing, and the next step that you took was tied to the last step. That's the word progression. And the Lord spoke to me. He said this. He said, you cannot walk in the strange things of God as long as you're a progression Christian. You cannot walk in the strange things of God. You cannot walk in the unfamiliar as long as you're expecting the last step to tie you to the future step. And that's what we've done many times in our lives and in my life. I'm like, okay, I want to be able to see where I'm going. And God says, you don't need to see. Why do you need to see? I'm your eyes. Why do you need to hear? I'm your ears. Why do you need to walk? I am your legs. I'm the one that's taking you. Why have you got to know anything? That's a very strange place to be at when you're used to having everything ahead of time. It's a very strange place to be at. That reign true in my heart the whole time that I was there that God is doing something that is not familiar to where you've been but yet he's okay with it and we've got to learn to be okay there's a cartoon character that Stephen List's wife describes him as and, and I, I actually went online and looked at it and what's the guy's name Mr. Magoo does anybody know anything about Mr. Magoo so I didn't know anything about Mr. Magoo, but I thought it was worthy of me to go online and see if I could find out what it was. And it was interesting. I went online and just did a YouTube. And if you get a chance to do that, not now, but afterwards, okay, just to let you know. Um, I went online, and it was amazing that Mr. Magoo was this guy. He's walking along, and he went to this gymnasium, and he was there thinking that he was going to do dance lessons. And he walks in this gymnasium, and he just kind of walks around stumbling around and he's telling the guy, well, I just don't like your dance lessons. And he didn't ever realize that he was there in a gym. And if you get a chance, just go and look at it. And, and it'll, it'll describe to you what God kind of took me through. I went with one purpose. And God says, you're in another purpose. It's outside of you. You see, I think what we've done in our own lives is we've taken ourselves and we've mapped out the plan of God by the eyes in which we can see. So we get a progression going. So I go to school, and when I get through school, I go here, and I, I go listen to this teaching, and it carries me here. And God says, I've got a plan mapped out that you don't even know about. I've got something going on that is outside of where you're at, but I'm looking someone that will flow in it. In order to flow in it, you have to give up your own footing. You have to give up your own footing. I, I went a um, long, long time ago. It's the only time I ever went. I went whitewater rafting. 
Anybody ever went there? Whitewater rafting. It's fun. It's very fun. I was very nervous, by the way. When I looked at that river and saw what was going on inside that river and knew that my sons were going to take me down to a place I was not comfortable with, I knew I was going to hit that water. I was, like, very nervous, and I was very, very nervous. And, and the guy, the first thing he said was, he says, you need to learn how to swim in the river. And I was like, how do you swim in a river? He said, you let go of your footing and you let the river take you. Because if you try to stop it, there's sharp objects on the, on the floor of this river. He said, in order for you to swim in the river, you have to let go of your footing and let the flow of that river just take you, the current. And that's where I came to this past week. I found myself taking myself and just elevating my feet and allowing the flow of God. God God showed up, man. I mean, he showed up. There was this one girl. There was this one girl. She was probably, I don't know, 14, 15 years old. I could see it in her eyes, and she explained to me there was a problem going on between her and her dad. And so in my, in my religious way, in what I've known to be truth here, I just laid my hands on her. But I did it in the way that I do it here. I just laid my hands on her far, just laid my hands up there. And, and I mean, man, it was so dead. And I was like, this is not right. And the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, pull her close. I pulled her close. And when her head touched me, she broke. God says, I'm not doing it that way. I'm doing it a different way. What I realized was the Holy Spirit, while you can be familiar in what you're doing, He can change it on you, and it's okay. When I was there and I held that girl, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, you have many daughters in the earth. There was a breaking that happened in her life. And I didn't say a word. I could not say a word. I had an interpreter, but there was no words for me to speak. Paul talked about going to the Corinthians and he said, I didn't come to you in excellency of speech, but in demonstration. And what I found out was God can demonstrate language in more ways than you could ever imagine to speak it. So instead of following the things that you're familiar with, what about following the Holy Spirit? And he says, you don't have to see. You don't have to hear. You just need to listen to what's on the inside. And it'll be different. There is a place in the house of God for each one of us. But that house of God is not just the people that you're associated with. The one thing that came to my heart the whole time I was there was, this is so different. And God says, but I created it that way. My creation is different. And you can operate in it no matter where you're at. The function and the unction of God can demonstrate language that you cannot speak. It can demonstrate freedom that you cannot translate into someone's life through words. You know, when I spoke that night, I was, 
I couldn't sit down with a scripture and start preaching and teaching because they didn't know. How was I going to teach concepts? And the very, the very things that I said were understood differently there. I mean, one gentleman made a comment. It was a military mindset. He made a comment in his, in his sermon, and I caught on to it the moment he did it. He said, someone's got to man the wall. But that group of people didn't understand that concept. Same words, you could translate the words, but what he saw in his meaning was different than what they saw. They saw a man trying to get on a wall. And that's exactly what the English language says. But in the idiom part of our language, we began to see pictures by words, and in their language, they didn't. So how do you do that? You demonstrate something. You bring something to them that they understand that language cannot convey. And I'll tell you something. There's people sitting in here right now. You'll encounter those things around people that you're with. You'll try to do it on your own, but you'll find out. Sometimes, it's drawing a person close to you and watching God just break down the walls. Thank you for letting me share. It changed my life forever. And I tell you, I don't know. I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm like this guy that's sitting up here and... Um, 11,520 11, minutes. And even if I had an hour, it wouldn't even begin to tap into it. I'm going to ask Dan to show a photo. This is a, a teaching moment for me. I took this picture. It was right in the backyard of where we were staying at. take just a second I believe we're good so this photo was of a mango tree something about this photo that that distinguished it among anything else that I took there's ripe fruit sitting right beside fruit that is not ripe it's the same branch the same tree the same limb Okay, I wasn't used to seeing this. So this picture, God began to speak to my heart. The reason why it's like this is because the climate there never changes. It's 365 days, hot, humid, and 365 days, it's the same temperature within a, a marginal amount. So what happens is the climate that that tree right there was in basically changed the DNA of that tree. What happened was that tree blooms at different successions. In 365 days a year, there's fruit on that tree. There's never a season. And God began to speak to my heart, and he says, when the climate of your heart is in my presence, 365 days a year, no matter the odd, the things that you go through, the things, the ins and the outs, the roller coasters or whatever, 365 days a year, I produce fruit. 365 days a year. Every single minute of the day, you could go out there and find a fruit on that tree that was ready. And you could find fruit right beside it that was not ready. That was just a teaching point that God used to share with me that when you have the climate of God inside of you, it is always that he is moving. It's not in seasons. That's just the point I wanted to show you, David. 
I found the Lord drawing from that scripture in Ezekiel that talks about the river of God. I know I've shared, shared that here with you. But while we're on this trip, and Dan, if you can see if the PowerPoint will bring up, will come up, and you can go ahead and put the first slide. Yeah, look at that. I know these guys are working through a lot in the back today. And uh, that one right there. Um, and, but I do appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Um, there's a, a scripture that I've shared with you about a river that flows in, in Ezekiel's temple as he saw it. And there's a river that flows from the Holy of Holies. And it, it comes around down. It doesn't come straight out. It comes down around the altar. Then it goes out through the east gate and it flows down. There. There's the river. Ezekiel, you may be familiar with Ezekiel sees the river and he's taken out the river and it's up to their ankles they measure and then it's up to their knees and up to their waist and it's too too uh much of a river for them to even stand in so they just have to 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 get in the river and 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 go with it and uh ezekiel's been giving us the length of the river the depth of the river and things like that and he's fascinated by all that but then the spirit of the lord speaks to him said ezekiel do you see do you see and his, his focus changes and he turns and he starts seeing what the river is accomplishing. And you find it talks about this river flowing into what is, we know is the Dead Sea. And that Dead Sea where there's no life in it, all of a sudden there are, it talks about swarms of fish and life in the Dead Sea so that fishermen are able to come there from all over the place and come fish. And then it talks about trees growing along the banks of that river. And those trees... Are, are producing fruit, and that fruit is, is feeding the nations and is bringing healing to the nations. And there's, you know, we've got the, the tree of life in Genesis, and then we've got this Ezekiel story about these trees that people are drawing from. And then we've also got the, the tree of life in, in uh, Revelation, and, and that's just been a fascinating thing to me. But when we were down there communicating to the believers and communicating to the people in Colombia, something that the Lord kept bringing to me was that he kept turning my attention to people that we were sitting with at the house that we were staying and the interpreter that we were working with and JV, uh, Jose Alfonso and his wife, who were the ones who helped set up this whole meeting. Matter of fact, you don't know JV, and you'll see a picture of him in a little bit, but JV is such a humble quiet person you would never assume anything about him as far as a compliment because he's so quiet but he's the one who set up the trip to Colombia. he has set up every trip that i've done to to uh to uh cuba to, to i'm sorry to cuba to Colombia, and also to costa rica um and he is the president of the federation of christian evangelists and then has just started a new ministry that's the new generation of evangelists but he's such a quiet and humble person and until he stood up and, and spoke and we saw the fire inside of him and his passion for the gospel, um, just as far as standing around him in a crowd or something like that, you'd never think of him as being, he's very unassuming, I guess is a good way to put it. But let's just start. I want to just get, I'm, I'm trying to take you there, okay? So would you go with us on this trip and, and I'm going to share with you some of the things that we have. Um, I'm going to skip over to my slide page here, but... Um, I'm, I'm passionate about what God is doing around the world, and I'm, I want that same passion exists right here. I am doing my best to connect with people in our area that I feel like that can influence a move of God. I'm trying to connect with pastors in the churches I met 
uh, Ken Fontenot, who's running for, for, for North Carolina Senate. He's a pastor also in town. I met him yesterday, but I'd been in contact with him. This week I was on, I, I was on with the chaplain for Barton College. I'm trying to connect with pastors in town so that we can develop a relationship to be able to get some things done for the kingdom of God. Uh, folks, the anointing is flowing through the body of Christ, but I'm trying to get, get these connecting points so that we can rally together. Anyhow, let's go back to Columbia. So Columbia is where we were heading, and I spelt that wrong. Sorry, Cecile told me, and I forgot to correct it. It's, it's, it's got two O's instead of the U. But that's where it's located in, in uh, Central America. And it's actually, it doesn't look like it in the map, but Columbia is actually one time zone behind where we are right now. And we were going to the town of Girardot. You say the G with an H, Girardot in Colombia, which is about two hours, you would think, from um, the capital city of, of uh, uh, Bogota. But um, it actually took us about five hours to get there because um, traffic was so bad. But we're, we, our, our, one of our purposes was to help equip the nation for renewal. Let's go to the next slide. Um, Mike didn't know this in here. I just said the Last Supper. We're in Atlanta sitting at a, a TGI Fridays, and, and uh, this was our last meal in the U.S., so we wanted something good to take with us when we were going down there. And Mike was looking at, they happened to be on the dessert page. I just happened to get it. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. I just <laughs> had to share that with you. That's right. So let's go to the next slide. So I don't know if you've ever been there, but this is what it looks like from above 35,000 feet. If you look at it, at this point, the light blue sky is actually below you. And the deep blue is starting because you're on the fringe of space. The atmosphere is getting thin up there. If we did not have the atmosphere around our world, the sky would be black all the time because there's nothing for the light to, big word, refract off of. Refraction of light, what gives us the rainbow. But the, the light hitting our atmosphere is what gives us the blue sky. So the closer you get to space, the deeper the blue actually gets until it finally becomes black. But that's what it looks like um, if, if you've never been. Maybe next trip you'll get to see it from up there. But let's go to the next slide. So when people talk about going to a foreign country, a lot of times they're thinking, oh, you're going to a poor, um, backward country that doesn't have a whole lot of things going on. I just wanted you to see, this is Bogota. So Bogota's got... Eight to nine million people. We don't even have a representation of that in North Carolina. There's nothing like that in our state. Matter of fact, if you put the whole population of North Carolina, you're kind of getting, you're, 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 we're a little bit more than eight to nine million. But that's one city, okay? And you're also at between eight to nine thousand feet above sea level. So, folks, what are, I think we are at 111 feet above sea level right here. 111 feet above sea level. So you walk, you climb stairs. I had to go up and down a flight of stairs, and I had to stop at the top of the stairs because my body had not acclimated to that altitude. It also, if I was in better shape, Ben, maybe I could have done a little bit better. But you're, you're, it takes a couple of days for your body to just adjust. And so I, that's, that's what it's like. You're going, it's a whole different environment that you're walking in. Let's go to the next slide. We were blessed. We went from TGI Fridays in Atlanta and our first meal out down there. We had eggs in the morning, but our first meal out, we met Gonzalo and his wife, and we had Starbucks. I'm not Starbucks, but we had um, Subway, just same type of sandwiches that we had here. They had different names on the board, but it was the same type of thing. You could recognize pollo or something, something, um, teriyaki pollo or something. 
and we had cups of Juan Valdez coffee. Um, so we had some really good coffee down there. But anyhow, um, Gonzalo over there, when we got in the car with him that morning, he started speaking to us in English, which was a help. And uh, I said, uh, Gonzalo, I said, your accent is definitely British. Can you explain? He said, yes. He said, our parents wanted us to know English. So they moved with us when we were children to London. And we grew up in London. And he went through the British school system and actually took part of his, he finished up part of his schooling at Oxford. And so this was our interpreter. He had better diction and better understanding of the English language than we did. And uh, he also was a, such a blessing because he could take our idioms, our little expressions that we have, and understood them. Was a, I could hear enough to see that he was taking and conveying things in their language in a way that they could grasp. So Gonzalo was a real blessing. We also had another interpreter named Susan who was really good. But Gonzalo and his wife both worked for the Central Bank and were retired from the Central Bank of Colombia. And uh, he translates books for people and things like that. So they were a real blessing. Let's go to the next slide. Um, this was an unusual trip. What did I do? Set it up? Okay. You don't know why we were there? Okay. So, thank you. <clears throat> we were invited by JV to come down and to bring a team down to Columbia. There's been this, this course. Everybody, if I were to ask you what you know about Columbia, you'd probably mention coffee. You'd probably mention cocaine, drugs, uh, the cartel. You'd probably mention the violence. If you heard the news and different kind of the violence that's been going on there, they're, they're in the news. There have been in the news in the past a lot for kidnappings and things like that that are related to the cartel. There's violence in the politics. Sometimes there's explosions and things like that because of the, that, that are going on in this, in this nation. And the sad thing is that when you talk to anybody around the world about Colombia, that's what they can tell you about. But several years ago, Uncle Steve went and ministered in uh, Colombia, Dr. Steve List, went down to Colombia and, and preached a message about God's vision for the nation and what was God's vision for Colombia. And he said, until our church vision, until the believer's vision begins to match what God's vision for the nation was, that they would be left with, with, with whatever their history was and whatever was going on in their politics and the, the drug lords and things like that. And when they heard that, they latched onto that and said, we need this message throughout our nation. Please come and share this. We're going to set up meetings in the, the 10 provincial capitals. It's like uh, Wilson City is the capital of Wilson County, and, uh, but probably more on the, on the, on the realm of, of states, going to state capitals within that country and we need to we'll bring the churches together and we need them to hear what what God can do for our nation that God can transform our nation that the cartel and the drugs and the, all that is does not have to be our future it's the same message that we would tell someone that needed to be saved but there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about that there are are spiritual truths that God gives us that we have an understanding of as believers that really will educate even spiritual authorities and powers in unseen realms. And, and that's still something that's mind-boggling to me, Pastor Eric. It's mind-boggling to me that, that God can use us to educate in the spiritual realm about the Lordship of Christ. And in a sense, what we're going down there is we're going, to in, we're going down to infuse the believers with the understanding that God can change their nation and God can use them to do that. 
empower them by the, the work of the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, we're ministering to the people that, that need to be saved, people that need to be healed, and uh, encouraging, encouraging the believers at the same time. And uh, the Lord threw a wide door open to us. It wasn't just going to a church. It wasn't just going out in the street ministry. Uh, but what happened was that the JV had made contact with the mayor of this town and even the governor for the area, and they said, look, we want you to come. We will create venues for you. We will open up city parks and things like that. And when we say city parks, don't think of a big grand place that was like uh, basketball courts or it may have been like a, uh, a, a, a small city block. Um, that they would open up these venues for us to come in. And while they had other things going on, some civic things, they were giving vaccinations, there were people getting haircuts and, and some civic things going on, they also would, we would be able to go in there and there were, there were over 100 people from the town of Bogota that went to go help us minister. To, they went out on the streets. They uh, did all kinds of things in, in preparations for the rallies that would be happening at night. So we had a rally every night of the week. And, uh, um, but the invitation came through the, the mayor and the governor of the area to, to come down there. And so the civic leaders were opening the door for us. Now they ran into some, some political flack for that. But just, just I've been to some really, really hard places in some countries to go live. But God really blessed us on this trip, folks. The guy who hosted us, the, the guy who, who opened his house to us, he, lit, this was, he took us to a vacation home. So we arrived at this house in the town of Hirodot when we first got there, and, and we, this was a golf cart trip that we took around. And these houses were spectacular in this place. So these are some of the houses that were in the gated community where we were spending the night. We, we were completely secure. We didn't have to be concerned about our security overnight. I've been to places where that was not the case. So um, I wanted to show you part of the neighborhood just to let you know there were some really nice houses around there. Okay, let's show you some of the neighbors. There were iguana in that place. Um, I don't know. That's the first time I've ever really been in a country and, been a, and known that there were iguana there. But there were iguana all over the place in there, not necessarily in our yard, but uh, there were some open areas. There was a golf course, and you could see iguana there. And I, I took way too many pictures of iguana. So that's all we're going to do with iguana. Let's go on to the next, next page. But look at this place. What a blessing. This is the place that the Lord provided for us to stay. And we were going to be paying for this to stay in this place. And then the last day, we talked to the owner of the house who had been with us. An amazing story. Uh, his name's Jesus. So we stayed with, in Jesus' house down there. Jesus down there. But um, we stayed with Jesus. And uh, he told us, he said, look, this, all of your team staying here at my house, and he had, his, his, he had a cook that provided food for us. All that he did for us, he said, this is my donation to this trip. So we didn't have to pay anything to stay in this place. But it was, God blessed us with a beautiful place to stay. We even had air conditioning in our rooms. Okay, next slide. <clears throat> so here's our, our, our meeting with the mayor. The gentleman in the red, right in the middle of that top picture on the, on the right-hand side, white shirt, he's the mayor of Hirodot. Hirodot. And... Uh, the team sitting around the room uh, in his house. He actually was sitting with a plate and eating breakfast when we walked in. But he just opened his heart to us. He let us know that he was having to face some opposition because of making resources available for, for us, us being in the town. But um, we had the opportunity to speak prophetically into his life. And then if we go to the next slide, 
Um, both he and his wife are standing there together. We got to lay hands on him, pray for the mayor, pray for God's blessings on their life. And he's fist bumping Bob from Seattle over there. Just they were really appreciate. You could see on his face his appreciation for the prayers, folks. The people who are in leadership over us need our prayer. We don't understand the weightiness of what they bear on a daily basis. I remember several years ago, uh, Mayor Bruce Rhodes was down at the Pizza Hut when the Pizza Hut was over here. Remember? Pizza Hut was over here, and I, I went up to, to Mayor Rose, and I said, Mayor Rose, I said, what's it like having a cush job where all you have to do is show up to banquets, and, you know, everywhere you go, people are taking care of you and everything. He looked at me, he's like, I got a phone call at 2 o'clock last night with, with some lady's neighbor's dog was barking, and she wanted me to do something about it. <laughs> so I had a good time uh, messing with him. But, but uh, there's so much pressure, especially when you get to the upper levels of government, there's threats on your life, threats on your family's life. And I've seen leaders of nations weep when they talked about the things that they were dealing with, but that yet they have to stand up against that pressure and endeavor to do the right thing in the face of very intense pressure. So this mayor, it's a town, uh, the, the town's got about 100,000 uh, people as a part of it, but they have a lot of people that come in on the weekend and use the resources of the town and then they leave but they don't get the benefit of the taxes because the taxes are controlled by the federal government not by the local community and so their infrastructure is suffering and they need need resources he's doing his best with what he has but he asks for our prayers let's go on to the next slide um, um, I'm, I'm running through a, a series of different events I'm not giving you a timeline uh, rendition of what we did but some of the areas, I wanted to give you some of the areas where we were able to, to minister. Uh, God opened the door for us to be able to go into some schools. Um, our host, Jesus, would be up at 6 o'clock in the morning going to schools, and he's, doing, um, he's got a program that he uses to go into schools and, and teach uh, biblical principles and Christian values in the schools. But they opened a the door for some of us to go into the schools just because the kids wanted to hear us speak English. So we got to go in there, and I, in, in one morning, uh, I went with, with Andrew over there. He was from Australia, and, and Susan, who was the interpreter, and we went to 12 classes in the school in, in just maybe two hours. We were moving, uh, maybe in a little bit longer than two hours, but they were so glad to hear us speak, and they would try to ask us questions about where we lived, and we got to interject uh, the gospel to them in their classrooms. And go, you can go to the next slide. Um, and so here's some of the, the kids they're, they're crowded in sitting on the floor and everything like that but you know you could look at the lessons on the board and, and folks they may in, in at least their classrooms are not as beautiful as some of our classrooms would be and things like that but these kids are, are learning things that we would learn in our schools just in another language so you know a lot of times we, we may think of people in other countries they may not have all the accessibility to the things that we have with regards to technology and things like that but uh, their minds are bright. I mean, they're, they're, they're not less than us. Their, their opportunities may not be exactly the same. But they're, they're still people that God created and put in the earth. Let's go to the next slide. And here we were just standing outside the school. This uh, individual with the light blue shirt over there, he's the one. He said that these kids had no future and no perspective bigger than where they were currently living and growing up so he's he has been working to bring people from other nations to come in and speak to the kids so they could broaden their perspective and they could see a bigger world and have hope for a different kind of life 
Okay, and then there was a lady here. She, she had come, come up. She had a, a, a difficult diagnosis, and she was requesting prayer, but she was one of the staff members at the, at the school. All right, let's go on to the next slide. And I mentioned briefly to you, but we had these extraordinary opportunities to go into a city park and, and have a worship service right in the middle of there. In the bottom right-hand corner, you've got folks out there doing folk dancing and and all that kind of stuff. They would have, they had one place, they had ropes up, and there were kids out there boxing with boxing gloves on. Uh, one person got carried off. But, uh, but you, it, it was just kind of a, a, a surreal opportunity to be right in the middle of a public place, and yet God had opened the door for us to be able to minister and to be able to invite people that were coming off of the street before we had these events, there were swarms of believers who had these, uh, uh, you'll see an orange vest a little bit later, but an orange vest that said friend of the, it's in Spanish, friend of the event or something like that. But they would go out into the streets and were inviting people to come to this event and just praying for people out on the street, witnessing to people out on the street, but then inviting people to the event. And I mean, we had one of these every, every night of the week. Um, and we would be going to different places during the day. Let's go to the next slide. So they had clowns uh, set up over here. I don't think I included. I'm gonna. This is this is. You've you've seen several different venues here. This lady over here in the, I don't know if that's an angel outfit or a fairy outfit, but she had a little wand, so I guess it's a fairy outfit. But her husband is a retired colonel in the Colombian military, and she is an intercessor. Intercessor. Uh, her whole family traveled around with us. And uh, they're passionate for ministry to the military. And, and folks, you know, the United States is big enough and self-contained enough in a way that we are really very, um, and don't mean this in a derogatory sense, but we're very ignorant of the nations around the world and what, what goes on in their cultures and things like that. Uh, we, we're able to live distant from them. They don't necessarily have that luxury. They're dependent on the other countries around us. They're dependent on what's going on in the, in the U.S. So it's, they're, they're sometimes more aware of our politics than we are of, I mean, obviously, sometimes more, more aware than we are of our own. Um, but there were military at this event. Actually, this guy dressed up as a clown is actually a military young military guy and there were some other guys who sang i don't think i've got a picture of them in here but um but they their regimen had uh like a fern leaf on it and they told us the story of what that fern leaf symbolized they proudly wear a fern leaf and that fern leaf represent an individual who was a part of their regiment who had been attached to a u.s deployed unit over in in korea during the korean war and there came a uh, mike if i've got some of this mixed up feel free to correct me but my understanding is that they were given the responsibility of charging a hill going up a hill and people were were butchered going up that hill and this one individual uh received uh i, I, I think it was something like 13 or 18 injuries trying to climb that hill but he kept on going and uh, they wear that fern in, in the leaf in memory of him and as an honor that they served with the United States in the Korean War. And that regiment, to them, they're very proud of the fact that they served alongside us 
in that battle. You know, we think of Colombia as they're just down there. You know, they're foreign to us, but they value the fact that they served alongside us. And we got to see some of the young men from that regiment singing, and I had an opportunity to, to stand outside and talk to a young man, and he was doing his best to use his English. He was actually doing a fantastic job. But he began to talk about how he, he is searching for God, and he's trying to find out more about God, but he's, he loves reading Nietzsche. And uh, he said, but you know, I don't know if you Nietzsche is, but Nietzsche is one who made the declaration that God is dead years ago, philosopher. And he said, I love, because he makes me think so deeply. But he said, but I think, he said, I think Nietzsche was crazy. And I said, well, Nietzsche was brilliant, but his problem was he was crazy. And I said, part of his, with all of his thinking and all that he could figure out and all the things that he could do, the fact that he was devoid of God because he had removed the option from God from his life, what purpose was it? I mean, it, it'll drive you nuts. You don't have any foundation to live by. So anyhow, I got to talk with that guy and, and told him, about Ravi Zacharias, who was also a, a philosopher and an apologist. And I said, I think you'd have a great opportunity to practice your English and also be able to hear some things about God and, and understand some of the questions that you have. So I put him on to Ravi Zacharias. If you've never heard him, um, sit down and take some time to listen to him. He's great. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, this is just... There's no way to communicate everything that's going on, and we won't, won't really try, but this is just some of the different venues that we had where we went to. Folks, there was so much going on in these places. Let's, let's go on. I want to show you some pictures of some of the ministry that was going on in the streets. Um, I don't, didn't necessarily agree, agree with all the methods that they were using because they'd get out there and just stop traffic. They'd hold up a stop sign in the middle of traffic and stop people on their motorcycles and stop vehicles. I'm thinking, you're going to get run over. Get out of the street. How many of you would love it if you were in a hurry trying to get somewhere and somebody held up a stop sign and made you stop? And then they'll start witnessing to you and start praying for you in the middle of the street. I know some of us, yeah, yeah. But that's what they did. They were praying for people out there. And uh, let's go to the next slide. They also went out with clowns and were doing things for the kids. These folks down here in the bottom, uh, you can actually see the two blue hats at the bottom. That's the retired colonel and his wife out there. They were out ministering to kids and, and giving out candy and stuff like that, but inviting people to the, to the events. So let, let's go to the next slide. Um, I'm glad I didn't know everything that I know now when we had this opportunity. Mike and I had an opportunity to go with, with some of our Colombian counterparts. Was there anybody else from the States on, on that day? I don't, I don't think so. JV was there. Jesus was there. I just love saying Jesus was there. Um, but um, they told us we were going to go to a prison. And I'm like, okay, it's a little bit out of the comfort zone. Cecile's been into the prison a whole lot more than I've been in the prison. Louise went to the prison all the time. Mike's been to the prison in other times. It was a different experience. Though. Um, how many of you have done prison ministry? Praise the Lord. Well, we were invited. We were, had the opportunity to go down to the Hirodot prison, and uh, we went through this little white gate down here. And, I mean, we couldn't see the big complex. We just saw the gate, and you're driving up the gate. And then they started, they, they're searching you down and everything like that. And uh, they took us in and fingerprinted us and took us across this corridor. And we went, uh, uh, actually crossed over a river to get down, or a creek, a stream type of place that was high up. And we walked across into the other section. And then they checked you again on that side. 
And then they take you and you walk out these steps. And I walked down these steps and I came around a the corner. There's a guy standing there and I shook his hand. And then I'm like, he's in a white T-shirt. And uh, I realized, oh, <laughs> we're not in the secure zone anymore. And then I looked up and there's other people in white T-shirts and a few guards around there. But we were in the prison. And it wasn't in a little room on the side. We were in the prison. Now, what I didn't know that I found out when I went online to look for these pictures, because we weren't allowed to take pictures, we weren't allowed to take anything in with us, no belts, nothing metal or sharp or anything, pockets completely empty, that they were talking about the prison system in, in Colombia and how violent and how dangerous they were and how that every day somebody got killed in these prisons and that the guards had been involved with the prisoners because the cartel and the paramilitary and the, the, uh, the, the different ones, the terrorists, that they had, had, because they had people inside there, they would pay off the guards and weapons were taken in and all kinds of things. They said that every day somebody died in the prisons. And at one point it was so bad where they would, they would machete off the heads of a rival and play, play soccer with it in the, in the prison. And... If I'd known that before I had the opportunity to go in there, I might want to, I'm glad I didn't know. But um, there's a backstory to that that I need to tell you or a front story I, uh, that I need to tell you about it too. But so they took us in and they took us, it's like walking into a, a school building where the center walls are taken out. So you've just got the dividings for the rooms, but not really a center wall. And uh, I'm taking my little clock back. Um, the... Uh, but anyhow, we walked in there, and the way they had it set up, there were a whole bunch of plastic chairs and a whole lot of inmates in there, and we had to walk from the sec more secure area and the exit through the crowd to the opposite end of the room. So if anything went down, everybody was right here. There was no aisle. The aisle was gone. They were packed to the wall on the sides. And I thought, if, if something were to happen, we're, we're just in here. And uh, in one sense, it was unsettling. But the Spirit of the Lord did a work inside of me. And I sat there and I started looking at those people and I started seeing transformed lives. And I realized these people are my brothers in the Lord. There's people in there that you could tell hadn't gone that far yet. You could tell that there, there were, some of them were still wrestling with their decisions, but there were people there that were weeping in the presence of the Lord and weeping when they told about what God had done. And there was an interpreter that helped us. He said he, said he had lived in, he spoke very good English. He said he, he used to live in, in Miami but that he had been convicted and, and had been in prison for six years. And uh, he said, but I found God here. I found God in this prison. And he's now working on a, a Bible school degree while he's in prison. And uh, just passionate for the Lord and loving the Lord. And, and uh, I remember the Spirit of the Lord taking me to another place, taking me out of my emotion and just using the anointing of the Lord. Uh, I moved down the... the uh, the left-hand side of the crowd from where we were standing and we'll walk up to people and every time before I would lay hands on them I would without language but with a nod and a, a question in my face ask them is it okay for me to put my hands on you and they would now they'd have tattoos and, and all different kinds of things you know I didn't know what their lifestyle was where they'd come from what they had done but you could sense the hardness on some of their lives you could also tell some of them were transformed and there was a gentleness to their spirit that God had moved in their life. But, but w without fail, every one of them allowed me to put my hands on them to pray for them and just prayed for God to see to it that their past did not dictate what their future had to be, but that the God would make them alive to be able to live the life that they had been created for. 
that God would set them free from their past. Just like I would pray for any one of us right here, we don't have to live based on our past. But God's got a glorious future for us, and we can, we can live and walk that out. But it was a different environment in there, and I can't tell you. I was glad to get out. But I stood and told him, I said, look, I live in the United States of America in, in Carolina Norte, North Carolina. I said, and you live here in this prison. I said, but one day we're going to share the same address. We're going to be in the presence of the Lord together. So anyhow, it was a different experience. But you know, the anointing is still in that prison. And God's changing lives there. Okay, let's go to the next one. I just, I want to put these pictures up here, the forerunners. Uncle Steve's message to that nation years ago was what? Created the relationships and opened the door. Now, he is one, but there are many ministers that God's been working through. There's, that, that, that country is pregnant with, with uh, believers who are sharing the gospel. I remember, I shared with you uh, sometime before, but my first time in Colombia, how I'd been gripped with fear when I was coming to that nation, then through prayer, God broke that off of me as we were descending, and I realized we're entering into the airspace of the principalities and powers that dominated Colombia. But then the Lord, through the window of the airplane, began to show me these little dots of lights as we were getting closer to the city. And then as we became very close to the city, there were just a flood of lights all over the place. And the Spirit said, that's what I've been doing in this country. At one time, it was full of darkness, and you could hardly see any light. But I began to ignite a light in the heart of this one, and the heart of this one, and, and this person, and that person, and this church over here, and that church over there. But before long, the continuing move of the work of God is, is overwhelming the darkness with God's kingdom and with the principles of God. And folks, we've got to take that mindset here. If we as believers get discouraged and disappointed and somehow overwhelmed by what we see out in our community and we lose fact of the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and realize that if I'll live my life the way I'm supposed to live and then share with people that I come in contact with, I'm not, I'm not a lone wolf out there. God's got people all around us and they may not see them all the time and maybe I run into them and we can encourage each other and at church we can encourage each other. But God's working in our city. We just need to live the life he's called us to live and God can change our community. Amen? Amen. JV is on the other side. JV Alfonso, just a very humble man and his wife Gladys, very humble. But he loves the Lord. He's in his urban camo t-shirt there. But he's out. He's sharing the gospel. He's powerful. Let's, let's, let's go on to the next slide. Here's Mike sharing the word. Mike did a powerful job this night uh, sharing the word of God with, with Gonzalo as his interpreter. And uh, it was just beautiful to see uh, God minister through him. Let's go to the next slide. Here he is again. If you're, anybody, y'all want him to sign a picture later? <laughs> just joking. Let's go on to the next slide. It really is a challenge to be able to communicate the gospel in another culture. And this is a dear friend of mine that y'all have not met. He looks like a wild man. Uh, I, love, I love Doug. Um, he has challenged my life in ways that I had no one in my life that would speak to me that abrupt and that direct. But Doug would do it if the Spirit of the Lord put it on his heart. He didn't really care who, who you are. He just cares about his being obedient to the Lord. But Doug plays the flute and so the people down there love that we click that click that slide again and it should just it should just play
I think if you click it, if you click it, it'll go on. But Doug plays a, a Native American flute. He's got several different ones that he plays. But every, everywhere, everywhere we went, I think when you do the advanced thing, it starts the thing. But if you do another advanced, it'll go to another, go to another page. Yeah. So everywhere he went, you know that that's ties culturally to a, to a lot of what they understand and and have experienced in those countries. And and Doug's got an anointing on his life. I remember being in Bogota and going to a pastor who had over 10,000 people in his church, and the only kind of physical greeting you would get from him was a fist bump because he came in contact with so many people. He wouldn't shake your hand, he wouldn't hug your neck, and he'd fist bump you. And, you know, that was the thing. And Doug went up to him. This was on another trip, but Doug went up to him, and the guy put up his fist, and Doug said, I don't do that. And he just wrapped his arms around this very well-known and publicized, the guy's got a television ministry that's all over uh, South America and into Japan, and, and he's a, a big-name pastor, and uh, Doug just wrapped him up in a hug. And you know what? After that, every time we'd come in contact with that pastor, he'd fist bump all of us, and he'd hug Doug. <laughs> so uh, I'd love to get Doug here to come up here and, and speak to us sometime. Um, let's go on and just... We, we had so many opportunities to, uh, to pray with people there. Uh, I, just to give one account, um, I, I like to be a little bit unscripted when, when I have the opportunity to minister. So while people are ministering, I'm subject to be walking around the back of the church and praying or going over to somebody and praying for them. Or, or uh, They had all these people that came down to be prayed for, and I went out on the side and kind of walked down the side of the uh, the the crowd that was there, the congregation that was there, and I saw an elderly lady and, and a, a younger woman, I assumed to be a daughter, sitting beside them. And folks, I, don't, I can't speak Spanish. Uh, I know how to find a bathroom and, and a few other things. But um, I walked up to those people, and I knew I had to pray for the daughter, so I did. I prayed for her, and then I looked at, at the mother who was elderly and was shaking. Um, to be honest with you, I didn't know if she was actually in her right mind because she kind of erratically looked around, and she was shaking uh, as in like, uh, like she had Parkinson's disease, but she was looking around kind of wild-eyed, like, what's going on, what's going on? And uh, I extended my hand to her like that, and when I did, she took a hold of my hand, and, you know, I couldn't control the shake with my hand. It was, it was very physical like that. And she kind of glanced at me, and then she looked around like, what, what, what's going on, what's going on? I couldn't communicate to her anything. But when she held my hand, her eyes came back to me the second time, and when it did... When they did, it's like the, her eyes locked onto my eyes. And something changed inside of me. I, I've never felt the river of God's love non-verbally flow into the life of somebody like I did that lady that night. There was no words. I was just that physical touch and then looking her right in the eyes. And when that happened... She stopped shaking. And it was, it was minutes that I stood there just looking at her. And I could feel the presence of God moving inside of her and, and undoing it. The greatest need in her life wasn't the physical demonstration. There was something transpiring inside of her. God was putting pieces of her life back together that had been broken and had been, been marred by her experiences in life. And I could, I could sense that. But it was just love. It was just pure love into her life. I couldn't even communicate to her. But God was doing something in her heart. And while I held her hand, 
there was no shaking. I'd heard that later on that night, Doug ministered to her as well. And when she came up to Doug, she, was, she had, had started shaking again. Doug spoke to the daughter and talked to her about her needing to be, to be willing to let go of her past. That as long as she held on to the pain of her past, and it wasn't distant past, it was recent past. As long as she held on to that, the enemy would, would use that open gateway to, 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 bring, to, to put infirmity on her. And so Doug ministered her again, and, uh, and, and when Doug ministered her that, night, that time, the shaking stopped, and she prayed a prayer of forgiveness and, and release, and Doug said, you need to keep her in peace, keep her in perfect peace, fill her atmosphere with peace. And we saw her the next night, and both she and the daughter looked completely different when they showed up that night. Folks, the, the individual ministry that God was doing. Can we go to the next slide? I'm not even sure what the next slide is. Um, I don't know what the story is behind the lady on the floor. This is Bob from Seattle with the white hair who's ministering to folks here. And the guy on the, in the light blue shirt, his name is Juan. Juan's uh, just a beautiful, spirited young man who's got a degree in, in uh, photo, photography and journalism that he had this awesome job, and all of a sudden the, the door got shut, and he's like, God, what's going on? So he returned home to live with his family, and he said, he said I, I, one of the things he said to us is, I believe that the reason why that door was shut so that God would have me here because of the experience he said, he said, God changed his life at this meeting. But he took a lot of the pictures, obviously not the one he's standing in, but a lot of the pictures that were part of the trip. And uh, folks, there were people who were set free from demonic spirits in these meetings, you know, um, God moved in so many, so many ways. And God's no respecter of persons, folks. When you go on that trip, like Mike was saying, you just realize that you have stepped into something that is so much bigger. And you feel like you're taking something to impart to those people. But really, when you get down there, all of a sudden, you're just being carried along by a river. You don't know what situations you're going into. You're not really prepared for the event that you arrive at. You just have to let go and let God carry you. And learn to be deplete, completely dependent on the Spirit of God to move through you. And you know what? God's more desirous to see the work happen than you are. He knows. He already has a plan. He already has a script. He knows who needs to be talked to. He knows what needs to be said. And you'll, you'll just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and walk with Him. He'll guide you through the process. Let's go along. Again, ministry was just happening all the time, everywhere. God would open the doors for that. And... Uh, in the, it, it was tiring. We didn't have a day off. Matter of fact, Mike and I didn't even have the opportunity to go shopping. I, I, I arrived at the airport and realized I don't have anything for my family. And uh, so it, it was just busy. We were busy all the time. But we had a night where the people from the team came and gathered at our house, and we had a night, night of refreshing. This next slide we won't stay with very long, but go ahead to the next slide, Scott. <sighs> okay, refreshing. That house that we stayed at, God created for us a refuge where we could rest, refreshed. We knew that we could eat the food and drink the water. didn't have to be worried about the, the sanitation there. We were in good shape. Let's go to the next slide because that's kind of ugly. TMI. Um, but we became friends with God's family. Folks, I love traveling around the world and meeting God's people because they're beautiful everywhere you go. Beautiful on the inside out. 
and you get to meet people that you don't speak the same language, you haven't had the same experience, but you realize that what you have experienced together, what you share together, is all God. And one day we're going to be before the throne room of heaven, and I don't know what eternity is going to look like forever and ever and ever, but I know this, what we're going to share together is going to be glorious. And uh, this family up here, Doug got to meet Mike. Mike's been wanting to meet Doug. And, and down here in the bottom, it doesn't show up real good because it's real small, but this is some of the core of the people that we were with down there, our interpreters, JV and Gladys, his wife, and uh, then uh, JV's uh, son and his family are in there too. But, but God used us to take... <clears throat> Let me put it this way. God used us to enhance what he was already doing that nation just to put fire to it and to give them uh, a, a boost in what they were doing. Let's go to the next slide. Okay. We met Jesus and stayed at his house, Jesus Eduardo Ortez. This, the, the house that we stayed at belonged to the guy that's got the fruit on his head. He's a fun-loving kind of guy. But let me, I want to tell you a story of transformation, okay? The, the prison systems I already described to you down in Colombia, they were having a major problem, like I said, with people being killed and everything like that. And when they were trying to do prison reform, what time is it, folks? Two minutes till? When they were trying to do prison reform, one of the problems they had, they realized that they were trying to corral these prisoners and trying to contain their behavior, but they had no foundation. They didn't have any guidance or direction. Violence and death and these kind of lifestyles were the only thing that they were known, had known. And so to try to impose rules on people who had been lawless for their life didn't work. And so they started to look broad, and they, and they realized the guards were just as bad as the prisoners. The guards were taking the money that they were helping funnel, funnel weapons in there, and the, the guards were corrupt themselves. So where's the remedy? And so they started looking, and they found a program that taught Christian values. And uh, Jesus was a part of this, that, that he, uh, th they decided that they would go in and start teaching the, the guards about values that could help govern their lines lives and that these principles came from the word of god and had scripture right in them so they would take a group of what they what they called round tables okay and they would sit down with a few guards no more than eight and they would talk through the principles that they had the, the this lesson for the day and 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 the guards began to change matter of fact the nature the character of the guards changed so powerfully that the prisoners started saying we want to know what, what is different about you. What has changed about your life? The prisoners talking to the guards. And they said, whatever it is that you have, we want. And so the prisoners, they started letting one prisoner sit in with a table of eight guards and let one prisoner go through this principles training. And it ended up to where all of a sudden uh, those, those prisoners, when they went through the training, they'd go out into the, into the yard and they would sit down with a group of, of the prisoners and, and teach the lesson that they had received on the, on the outside and it became such a transforming thing inside the prisons that the, the prison system started seeing what was going on. They said, we want to make this a national program. So Jesus has got over 80,000 people that have been through this program. He had somebody that was a, a reoccurring drug addict that, that, that kept trying to get it right but couldn't get it right. He didn't have the foundation in his life to be able to stabilize and, and, and stay, on the, on the, on, stay straight. And so 
he came in contact with, with Jesus, and Jesus took him through this program that, that they have, um, and the values principles, it, it's in Spanish, and so it's hard to, but there's a, a, an organization of states called Lared. Lared in, in an ancient language means it's like a pillar or a foundation, and this organization wanted to put these, these principles out um, by the guidance of the Lord. Anyhow, Jesus took this, this former drug addict that was having a hard time keeping his life straight and took him through the program, and this newborn Christian less than a year old in the Lord, went down to, to Brazil and within a year was taking over a thousand people through this program. Life transformation. And uh, Jesus has also come up with another program called it's Mission Antivirus. And that, that he is now taking into the school systems in that area and in, in, other, in several parts of, of Colombia. And basically, it teaches the kids, just like a computer, your computer was designed to be all function a certain way. God designed your life to function a certain way and be a certain way. But the problem is, the reason why your life is not running the way it is, because your life has been infected with a virus. The virus is sin. But then he introduces them through the program to an antivirus, who is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ cleanses up your life, and then they go back into values training and, and, and principles, and it's having a profound effect in the school systems. So it was, it was encouraging to us to be able to see what God was doing through his body of Christ in, in the other nations. I want, you, I want to show you another slide. Let's go real quick. I don't know what needs to go real quick. Do you see the guy in this left slide, the one right in the middle? Now, folks, we'd had a few services where we'd had demonic spirits, you know, act out in the service and in the, wor in, the, the, in the ministry time. And all of a sudden, one night, this character right here with the shredded pants and the, the shoes, and I mean, he was dirty, his hair was matted and everything, and he came walking into that place, and I thought, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. He came walking down the side, walked right down the side of the venue in front of us, and then he walked right around to the front to where they were sitting there and uh, leading worship, and he walked behind them, so like he came down this way, he walked right around and went behind where they were, and he sat down on the floor, sprawled his legs out and started digging through his big old, looked like a coal-filled bag that he had, and he's just digging through there and real wide-eyed looking at people, and I thought, oh, my goodness. So JV gets up, and he goes over there, and he, he goes to talk to the guy, somebody else comes over and talks to him, and then JV left him up there like, somebody needs to help this guy. Somebody needs to get him, off of this, get him out of the stage area, you know? Well, all of a sudden, it breaks into a skit, you know, and uh, he is a homeless man that you see demonic spirits, characters dressed up like demonic spirits, introducing him to alcohol and getting him involved in drugs and all kinds of things. And he is completely devoid of, of you know, he's completely lost and, and out there with no hope. And then Jesus comes up. And as the, as the story goes on, Jesus takes that headscarf off and wraps the, the homeless man wraps that scarf around the guy's shoulders and tears came to the eyes and you could see this guy's life transformed and what had been this hopeless, mindless character now is full of joy and hope. He was still dirty, but he was, <laughs> he was full of hope. And it was just such a beautiful picture. And then this young man stands up and speaks and he said, that was my story. He said, I was... The, the homeless person. I was the drug addict. I was completely wrapped up in that type of lifestyle. And Jesus set me free. 
and he's now serving the Lord, walking with the Lord. He came over to me. I've got the orange vest on, but he came over to me and wanted to take a picture with me in that thing. And that night, we did this parade of flags, the Colombian flag. We had the Hirodot flags, and we had flags honoring Jesus and things like that. We did a parade around the building, and they had me carrying a Hirodot colored flag, and I was standing up there thinking, this is kind of unusual. They got the, the gringo up here holding the flag. And I was standing there, and that guy came over to me. I'm actually holding the flag where we're taking a picture, and he took a picture with me, and then he walked away, and I said, no, this isn't right. And so when he turned to look again, I said, I pointed to him, I said, come here. And I handed him the flag, and I said, there's no better picture to bear the flag of this town than someone that God's changed his life. That really speaks a message. So I let him, him carry the flag for the city. Anyhow, Folks, there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform lives. We've got to believe it for ourselves. Your life can't change until you believe in the power of God. God can change your situations and your circumstances. God can set you free from the nagging habits of the past and the nagging ensnarements that the enemy tried to hook into your life. But God came to set you free. And we've got to elevate our vision for what God can do in our family members and in our co-workers and in our cities and in our states and in this nation so that our vision for what God can do matches up with the vision that God has for the United States of America. Why did God birth this nation? To be a, a light bearer to the world, to teach about freedom and, and to help promote the gospel around the world. Let's go to the next, next slide. If we advance past this slide, all of a sudden, Bob is going to be shouting because he's like, yeah, we can do it. You know, Jesus is Lord of Columbia. Um, and it's, it's, it's loaded in there. We're not going to do that, Scott. We're going to try to bypass this. But he was making a declaration over their nation. <laughs> yep, there it is. And then he said, he said we're going to stand with you. We're going to pray with you. And uh, uh, this is another video that I'm not going to take you through right here. But I was, you know. Folks, we went through all this ministry. Believe it or not, you know, spiritually you're tanked up and alive and ready to go. But I have to tell you, physically we were drained. Okay, it 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 was difficult on the flesh. And then we got in the vehicle. We didn't want to say goodbye to the folks in the city, and apparently they didn't want to say goodbye to us because what we thought we were going to leave in the morning ended up being a late afternoon leaving. We didn't leave till I think around five o'clock or something. They said it'd be about a two and a, two and a half or three hour ride. This end to a five-hour drive back to Bogota was like pulling teeth. Uh, there were five of us in a pickup truck, a small pickup. I think it's kind of like a Tacoma. Was it kind of like a Tacoma? A Nissan truck. And we were cramped up in the back, and our knees, I've never had my knees hurt like that before. And, I mean, if you, th this video goes on and shows the traffic weaving all around you and everything like that. If you've ever been in a third-world country, you understand what I'm talking about. But um, I was just thankful to get there. We arrived about 10.30, quarter till 11 at night, did not have any supper. They finally put some sandwiches together for us. We went to bed at 1 o'clock and had to be up at 3.30 in the morning to catch our airplane. So we were worn out when we got back. But anyhow, next slide. Next slide, yeah. Join us in prayer for our brothers and sisters in Colombia. There's their seal in their country. Um, they're believing and working for the transformation of their nation. That should be our same spirit with regards to our nation right here. We've got a, a vote coming up this week. I voted. I don't know if you voted. If you're a believer, you ought to be voting 
you know, pray for discernment, vote the way that you know you should with a, a moral conscience to, to help move our nation the direction it needs to go. But we need to be praying because we shouldn't take for granted what God's given us. And if we are quiet, if we don't use our, 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 our civil gift that's been given us to get out there and vote, we don't have any right to complain. You know, we will get what we deserve. And I don't want what our nation deserves. I want, I, want I want to get what God has provided for us. And, and, and I'm going to stop right there. I know I've taken you through a whole lot, but will you stand with me? We're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for Colombia and our brothers and sisters that are down there. I've got some other scriptures up here that I, I'm not even going to touch. But, Lord, in the scripture it says, Ask of me and I'll give you the nations of your inheritance, your God. Lord, we stand in your position right now as your body, as your bride here in the earth. And, God, we, we ask of you, Lord, would you stir up your, your body and your bride, your God, and cause us to value the inheritance that's available to us in the earth, your God, to value that inheritance is actually the lives of people, the lives of families, your God, their, their destination for eternity. So, God, we value what is within our, our arms reach, your God, those that we can get a hold of. And, and, God, we say, will you give our families, your God? Will you give our coworkers? Will you give the people in this city to us, your God? Give us the opportunity to speak into their lives. Give us the opportunity not just to get them saved, but to help them grow in their faith and in relationship with you. And God, we join with our precious brothers and sisters down there in Columbia, dear God, who are putting their life on the line and are, are giving so, so uh, sacrificially, uh, even on a financial way, dear God, giving their time and things like that. Lord, would you bless their efforts and anoint them with your Holy Spirit to be able to do the work that you've called them to do. And God, it would be erroneous of us to want to put that on them and make it their responsibility and not recognize it's our responsibility as well. Lord, we've got people all around us that need the power of your gospel, dear Lord, to transform their lives. Lord, we've got family members that need it. God, we need it. But God, help us to get beyond being introspective and staring at ourselves and staring at our problems and help us to look at the needs that are beyond us. We know that you'll continue to work in our lives but God, but you'll also use us to reach the nations around us and the people that are right beside us, our neighbors. So God, use us for your glory. Lord, may your name be glorified. And God, we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.